Hey, welcome back to another episode of the University Marketer Podcast. Today, you'll hear from Adam Brown, an extremely talented marketer who led marketing efforts at Arizona State University and now works for the educational startup Adamant. Adam talks about how he increased enrollment in ASU's part-time Flex MBA program through an interesting combination of digital and traditional advertising. He talks about working with agencies and even about running an international campaign targeting students in India. Yes, you heard that right, India. Just some fascinating stuff. Adam's one of the brightest minds I know in marketing. He teaches marketing at both Arizona State and now at Brigham Young University, Idaho. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Adam Brown, Chief Growth Officer at Adamant and former Assistant Director of Marketing at Arizona State University. Welcome to the University Marketer Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Tyler. It's great to be here. And I, I'm, I really totally am excited to just kind of geek out with you over marketing over the next 20 minutes. Yeah, I've, you know, you and I have known each other a little bit before and I've, uh, I've researched a lot of your work on, on your LinkedIn bio. So I'm totally excited to ask you some, some marketing questions. Um, but, you know, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your career. Um, obviously, you spent some time at ASU in, in Arizona and now you're at Adamant. Just talk to, about, talk to us about how you've progressed through your career to get to where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so I, I went to Ohio State, did a marketing degree, um, like a lot of other ad, undergrad students, and then I worked in services marketing for a long time. So I started out in the insurance industry, and then I got my dream job and went to J.P. Morgan Chase, and I was a marketing manager there. Loved that job and loved that company. Uh, such a great place to be. While I was there, um, I ended up going back to school and doing my MBA. And while I was doing my MBA program, I just really remembered how much I love education the learning process, and all of those things. And so when I finished the MBA, I actually started looking at different universities that had marketing departments. And I was looking to get into university marketing because I felt like I love marketing and I love you know, college and university, so why not try to put those two together? Um, so that's actually what led me to ASU was I was I'm literally on LinkedIn one day and ASU had posted a job for a marketing manager for the business school. And so I was like, wow, that sounds really interesting. And Arizona is such a beautiful weather state. Why not give it a shot? Um, so we packed our bags and moved across the country from Ohio to Arizona and spent, you know, about four or five wonderful years there and in, in the Valley of the Sun. And it was beautiful. And then um, as my time concluded at ASU, it was really difficult to leave. Uh, but there was this new opportunity with this newer startup company um, that was going to be doing business certifications called Adamant. And they were looking for somebody to head up marketing and sales. And so that was really exciting. And that's kind of what, what drove me there. But so far, that it's been a great ride. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a cool story from your education to your experience. I really want to dive into some of your time at ASU. You know, I think ASU is one of those universities that, you know, has national reach. And you would attract students from all over the country, certainly from the West Coast and, and from Arizona. But I mean, talk to me a little bit about your roles there. What were you responsible for in terms of marketing and you know, the goals and metrics that you were optimizing your team for? Talk, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first went there, I was the marketing manager for graduate programs. So that's what I started as um, before I ended up being the assistant director. And um, ASU has a, a really large size budget compared to a lot of other universities for advertising for grad programs because they're a really big school. You mentioned their reach. Um, while working there, I, I did everything from billboards in India to Pandora radio ads in Phoenix. Wow. Um, so a lot of different mix that I could talk about. Um, 
ended up becoming the assistant director. And basically what that meant was over, I was over graduate and undergraduate programs marketing. Um, and so the nice thing about ASU is in Arizona, you attract so many students on the undergraduate side that you don't end up doing a lot of paid advertising. Um, ASU has about 15 different graduate programs just in the business school. So you end up advertising in all these different marketing channels to reach these target audiences. Um, it was really neat to see that they had a really good structure set up. So, you know, like you would see in a typical ad agency where you would have a design team and a content team, and then you have an account management team. That's how the team was set up there. So when I walked in, um, the CMO uh, of the group had had come from the PR agency world. And so she had set up this amazing department and this group that functioned just like an ad agency. So all of our, our clients or partners were the people around the university or school. And they would tell us, you know, we want to grow enrollment in the part-time MBA program by 10% next year. And so we would come up with all of these ideas about how to reach this target audience um, in all those different areas and to get the, get the enrollment to move up. Uh, really, really great time there. The one thing I would really say is if you're a university and you're really looking to grow your enrollment, you have to spend marketing dollars. And that's one thing that the Dean of the business school understood. Well, and that's awesome. Cause there's a, there's a lot of universities and companies today that don't understand that. Right. So right. that's cool. So were your roles more specific than like, your goal, I guess, was more specific to acquisition of students. Did you have metrics or like retention and engagement of existing student bodies or was that a different team? How does that, how did that work? Yeah. Um, so basically the way that worked was um, my role was really over account management. Um, so we worked with writers and designers to produce all the marketing content. And then what our goals were, uh, were all surrounded around enrollment. Um, so retention of students is usually student services and the student services department there is pretty large. They handle all that. Um, there's one for undergraduate and for graduate both. Um, they have two different teams. So all of our goals and metrics surrounded around enrollment growth and getting the students there. And then once they were there, it was up to the faculty and the student services teams and the recruiting teams within uh, to keep them there. But one of the really neat things was we worked with a recruiting team. So unlike a lot of universities, ASU, just for the business school, had 15 recruiters that were interacting with students all the time. So all of these leads that we brought in through LinkedIn and Facebook and other places like that went directly into our Salesforce CRM. And then they were auto assigned to recruiters and these recruiters were contacting these students as soon as the leads came in. So, you know, whereas a student might go on to, you know, I'll pick a school that doesn't do a lot of advertising like Clemson University and they might fill out a lead form, but they might hear anything for a couple of weeks. Whereas if, you know, the way that we were running advertising, you would get a call sometimes the same day wow. as filling out a form. Wow. No, that, that's fantastic. I want to go back to something you said, you, you know, I, I think a lot of when we talk marketing and, you know, people jump right to the digital side, but you mentioned running billboards in other countries. I'm sure you ran some throughout the United States as well. Talk to me about the mix, I guess, between digital and, and offline advertising that you did and, and, and why was that a priority for you guys? Yeah. And, and you know what, that's a really great point. Traditional marketing will never die, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you're always going to have to have some mix of traditional marketing paired with digital marketing. Well, the great thing about digital marketing, of course, is you can measure everything under the sun when you do digital advertising. Um, you know, the bad part about traditional advertising is it tends to fall in the awareness bucket. And people these days don't like to spend money on the awareness bucket because they can't see a number of leads or a measurable result. Um, here, here's a great example. So when we launched our part-time MBA and renamed it, and I'll talk about that in a little bit when you ask some other questions, 
Um, we, but we put an, a billboard up right outside of a business park. And this business park had a regional headquarters for Boeing, Farmers Insurance, and a couple of other places. And what we knew is that there were a lot of students who worked in Phoenix, who had a business degree and several years of experience that would want to do a part-time MBA. And we knew that they would be driving by that billboard every day, twice a day when they go to and from work. And so it just makes sense that you would invest a little bit of money there um, in a traditional metric because, you know, some of the people that work there in our target audience might not go on Facebook very often. Right. They might not check LinkedIn unless they're looking for a new role. And so you have to mix in some of those traditional, traditional things. Um, the spot that I talked about with India, the billboard there, um, a lot of the traditional marketing still really works in India. So we actually did some newspaper ads, literally in a print newspaper that went out wow. um, and some billboards there. And that really resonated with students. And what we were doing was announcing an event that we were hosting in Bangalore. Wow. And um, we got a lot of students there. And once they were there, we had faculty members uh, at the event talking to them about the programs. And that was a really great recruiting tool for us in India. No, I, I love that. I mean, it really is all about, you know, just that brand presence and those brand touch points that you have driving on the freeway, you know, versus seeing something on Instagram. I, I love that. I mean, obviously you mentioned you, you imagine you managed a huge budget at ASU and um, talk to me a little bit about uh, work that you, you would farm out to an agency. I, I assume you worked with a few agencies and, and what did you focus on, you know, as your strengths in-house and then what were the, some of the things that you would ship out to some creative agencies? Yeah, and, and I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, a lot of universities shy away from agencies first and foremost because of the cost. They're like, you know, we can't afford an agency. But what a lot of universities don't realize is that the great thing about partnering with an agency is because they're buying so much media for other clients, they have access to all these bulk rates. So when you go to purchase advertising, you're, you're I'll use this example, which doesn't always sound the greatest, but you're almost buying things like a, as you would at Costco or Sam's Club. Um, where, you know, you might pay triple the price to run a Pandora ad on your own than you would with an agency and also giving them a 10 to 15% commission on it. Um, so th that's really a big pro of working with an agency is our bulk pricing. Um, and we would farm out things to the agency, never content or design. Um, typically, we use the agency for media purchasing and we would, we would pick out what media we wanted to run and then we would let them know and they would purchase the media for us. And a lot of it was just because of the bulk pricing. Um, we could have done it on our own, but you just save so much money by giving them this small commission percent and then um, having them do that. But when they create content and creative, just to give you an example, we could produce videos in-house yeah. for a few thousand dollars. Wow. Um, if you go to an agency, you're looking at anywhere from 10 to $20,000 to produce a, a six second video. So. Okay. Um, you know, you really have to play your budget strong there. I came from JP Morgan Chase where, as you well know, they make billions of dollars every year and they spend billions of dollars on advertising. I mean, I had one program that I spent over a million dollars on in one year there. Um, when you go to a university, you're looking at a much smaller budget. Um, our overall budget was usually somewhere between two and $3 million a year to recruit students for undergrad and graduate programs. So once you slice that with about 20% going to undergrad and 80% going to grad, you're looking right. about 1.2-ish million dollars that you've got to work with for an entire year. Wow. Wow. No, that, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right about the agency bulk pricing. That's a huge, huge value. Okay. So the, the one of the, I want to hear about maybe a favorite campaign or initiative that you guys did at ASU that you were proud of and, and maybe get into the weeds a little bit. I think people want to hear like, what did you do? What worked and why did it work? So did you have a favorite campaign or story you could talk about? 
Yeah, absolutely. I do. And this is the one that I mentioned just a few moments ago that I'd like to talk a little bit about more. So uh, while I was there, we had, the, we had, you know, schools come and go with programs, right? So they introduce a new program, it hangs around for a few years, and they right. rename it, rebrand it, or something like that. Uh, we were going through the same thing with our part-time MBA program. So we had had a weekend MBA before where students would go on the weekends and do it. We had a part-time MBA that was during the week. Um, but we decided that one of the one of the things that was really hot in the marketplace on education and working with some vendors like Poets and Quants um, and some other places was the flexible, the word flexible and the option for students to have to have flexibility. You know, customization and flexibility is really hot in education right now. Right. So we, we, we ended up uh, renaming our part-time MBA, the Professional Flex MBA at ASU. And when you hear the name, it's kind of long and it, it doesn't roll off the tongue at first, but really when you think about the target market, you have to have those two words in there because we wanted them to understand that it was flexible, but we also wanted them to understand that it's for working professionals who have some work experience. So a lot of the full-time MBA programs are usually students who just have a few years of work experience that are looking to, to kind of launch their career. But the part-time MBA, you know, a lot of those students had at least five to seven years of work experience. And so we wanted them to know that. So we did everything you can possibly think of for this degree program. We allocated a huge budget to it. It ended up being about $400,000. Um, we renamed it. We did a couple really different, interesting things. So obviously since it's a part-time MBA, your immediate audience are people that work and live in Phoenix, um, right? They're going to be the ones commuting for that. So no international advertising on that campaign, but, um, in the city of Phoenix, a lot of people work downtown. So one thing that we did was a downtown takeover um, where we purchased all of the digital billboards, um, any digital signage, a couple of bus stations and wraps on city buses, uh -huh. as well as in Phoenix, they have a tram that goes through downtown. Uh, we purchased a wrap on the tram. And so at certain points of the day in Phoenix, the only thing you could see was maroon and gold downtown talking about the professional flex MBA. Wow, I love it. Yeah. So, and we did a lot of other things too. So I think we ended up doing about 20, 22, 23 ish different marketing channels for that campaign. Um, one thing that you always have to take into consideration whenever you're advertising at a university is the faculty. Um, so you want to meet with the faculty and get their feedback and, you know, some of the, the marketing professors might have some ideas, but mostly it's a meeting just to kind of make sure that they know their voices are heard and what they want the program to kind of look and feel like when it's in the market. But you end up doing a lot of things for them, right? So they want the brochures, they want the trifold pamphlets and right. the, the one page sheets and things like that. Um, then you also end up doing a lot of other things like creating a new web page, uh, making sure it's you know ADA compliant and up to all the industry standards um, so that you can funnel your leads. A lot of backend processes that people don't think about are connecting your CRM to your website, you know, that takes, in some cases, it can take a couple of months to get a new path built. Right. Um, and we were lucky enough that we actually had two dedicated Salesforce analysts at ASU. And so they, they built a lot of that stuff for us. Um, so that when those leads came in from LinkedIn and Facebook, we were able to channel them directly into the CRM and the recruiters could work on them instantly. Um, but here's why I'm proud of this campaign though, not because we spent a lot of money, not because we did a lot of different marketing channels, the reason I'm really excited about it is because we were, we were marketing to, for one cohort, you know, one group of students. And um, even though the program was flexible and they got two to four years to go through it, we wanted at least one cohort. We ended up getting three cohorts wow. uh, that first year. I mean, it was amazing. It was, 
it got to the point where it was difficult to even find seats in classes. Wow. Wow. So, so not, you know, sometimes you get your, your, your admissions, you know, your Dean saying, well, what's the ROI of, of a bus wrap, right. Or of a, of a billboard, but there's your ROI right there. Right. That's right. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, that's always the way we measure things. Usually universities will take the accounting department will budget a degree for the year with the faculty costs and all that. And then they'll tell you what the cost per student is. And then they depend on the marketing team to tell them, okay, if you've got, you know, the, the classic marketing funnel, right? If you have, uh, you want 300 students, then you walk that all the way backwards to see how many leads you have. And then you know how much money you've got to spend. Right. Oh, that's powerful. That's, I love, I love that idea of a take of a downtown takeover. That's, that's fascinating. You know, it's obvious, Adam, I like you have a lot of experience in, in paid advertising for sure. I, I would just be curious more to know, like, if you only had, you know, you had a limited budget and they say you, you got to do some digital paid ads, where would you, where would you go? Would you go social paid? Would you go PPC? I'm just curious to know what you'd say. Yeah. Um, I, I would honestly, what I would do, if you're talking right now today, I would do YouTube ads. Okay. And the reason I would do YouTube ads is because the power of video cannot be understated. Um, number one, number two, YouTube has really changed a lot of their um, system requirements and algorithm components where it is now the cheapest platform to advertise on. So it used to be Facebook, yeah. <clears throat> but now you can actually reach people on YouTube with paid video uh, pre-roll right. for much cheaper than you can do on Facebook. Um, the one thing I would say though, in addition to that is if I was looking for leads, like I wanted prospective students, yeah. I'd probably go to, to LinkedIn. And the reason I say that is because people who go on LinkedIn are generally looking to make some sort of change, right? right? A lot of us have a LinkedIn account, but we don't log into it all the time. Uh, you know, you up, go in and update your profile when you might be looking for a job. The nice thing about LinkedIn is they have that lead form where this, you know, prospective student can click on an ad and a lot of their information is pre-filled by LinkedIn. They only have to fill in a couple things and then hit a button and then it can go directly to your CRM. Whereas if you're on Instagram or someplace like that, they've got to click on your bio, then they've got to click on the link, then they've got to fill up the form and nothing's pre-filled. So really the goal is to reduce steps to get them to fill out that lead form. And you can do that with LinkedIn. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's fascinating. You know, I, I, we've experimented a little bit with LinkedIn and, and you're right. I think there's, I think there's untapped potential and some paid ads on that side. So that's awesome. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your, your spot now at Adamant and, and what your company does there and, and uh, how it's growing. I, I just, I'd love to hear um, about Adamant. Yeah, absolutely. So ASU, traditional, large university, huge reach to this like, you know, startup that's trying to change some things in education. I guess the first thing I would say is I wouldn't consider us a direct competitor to ASU or to any other traditional university. You know, if, if a student's out there looking for a four-year degree, um, then there's definitely a lot of great options and we would never um, you know, not encourage students to do that. The, what the goal of Adamant is, is to lower the cost of education for students who are looking to propel their career, or learn some skills in a certain way. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you already have a four-year degree, two, we have three different levels of certifications and um, the two higher levels, you have to have a, a bachelor's degree or at least some type of certification and work experience to get accepted into anyway. Um, the, the entry level, you don't have to have any of that, but those two higher levels you do. And so what I would compare them to is a little bit more like a master's degree. Our highest level gives you um, like director level leadership training. Um, the one thing that makes us really different is it's not like you're going online and watching a video from someone you've never met and you're taking quizzes. And then at the end of this, they're like, hey, here's a certification in your email. 
Um, what makes us really different is we really, really focus on the mentorship part of it. So yes, you are watching recorded lectures. Yes, you are taking quizzes, but you're working one-on-one -on -one with an assigned mentor to you, not to get you through the assignments. They do help you get through the assignments, but really so that they can say like, okay, when you get a job in this field, this project that you're working on, this is how you're going to actually present it in a real boardroom or in a real conference room. Um, whereas a lot, of, a lot of traditional higher education or some of these other education companies just mostly focus on the curriculum and they don't really focus on the development of the student. Right. So a long, a long story about what the company does, but what I do there is I'm in charge of student growth as well as marketing. And so a lot of the same things that I did at ASU, I do here. Um, you know, I'm always looking at the enrollment numbers because that's what our goals and metrics are. Um, one of the paid campaigns that we've done here that I really, really love is we did a LinkedIn ad and we were, our goal was to collect leads. And so we thought, you know, we're not ASU, so we don't have the instant name recognition. So we need to do something to kind of set ourselves apart. So what we did was we created a LinkedIn ad and um, in the graphic, it highlights a couple of our different pros, obviously the mentorship. Um, but what we did was we started the, the ad out because it was during coronavirus and a lot of people were getting laid off and they were thinking about what they were going to do next. We put the, the U.S. unemployment rate as the headline in the ad. And that's kind of shock value, right? Because people see that and they're like, whoa. And so then we would update that unemployment number every time it changed from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And so it got to the point where people were like commenting like, oh, has the number been updated yet? Like we almost became like the source of people for LinkedIn to see like what the unemployment rate was. Um, and the reason we did that is because it, you know, unemployment and looking for jobs all kind of correlates to education, learning and skilling up. Absolutely. And so, you know, that communicated that message of like, hey, your job may not be as safe as you thought. Do you have the skills you need really to do what you want to do? Absolutely. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and how what, did you did you exceed your lead goal? I mean, it sounds like it was probably pretty effective if you were getting that many comments. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. We definitely exceeded our lead goal on that advertising campaign. That's fascinating. That, that That's awesome. I'm, I'm gonna have to look more into that. That's really cool. Adam, one last question for you before we let you go. What one tip would you give to someone who's looking to grow their career in university marketing and communications or, or even just break into that field? Uh, you've been in it for a while. I'd love to hear your tip. Yeah. So when I worked at, when I worked at JP Morgan Chase, um, the biggest thing I did was advertise mortgages. Um, here's what I, advice I would give anybody trying to get into that. I would first realize that um, education is a long purchase cycle. It is nothing like jeans or chewing gum. It's completely different. It's like buying a mortgage or buying a car or something like that. Um, so I would say if you're looking to get into that, the first thing that I would do is look at what company I was currently working for um, in marketing and see what products we had that were long purchase cycles. And I would either get on some of those campaigns or I would tailor my resume um, if I was already on some of those in a way to show like I work on long purchase cycle goods. Um, because when I interviewed it at ASU, they were like, well, you work at Chase. Why do you want to work in education? You know, and one of the big selling points was I've advertised mortgages for five years. That's a long purchase cycle. It's exactly like education. Wow. So that's one thing I would say. Um, the other thing I would say is some universities have invested in marketing and some haven't. And so I would spend some time on not just Google, but a, a several different search engines and social media platforms. And I would just start searching for MBAs or if you want to work in you know, like healthcare services, maybe like a public administration masters. And I would see what companies or excuse me, what universities start to pop up. And then you can make a list and kind of see like, okay, who's really paying for the ads? 
right? Because if you're sitting in Salt Lake City and you're getting advertising for ASU or you're getting advertising from the University of Texas at Austin, then you can see, okay, these are the universities that are really invested in marketing. Um, so that's how I would create kind of like a prospect list. And then last thing I would say is, um, you know, make sure that any university you're looking at has the, the money and infrastructure set up. So I've, I've known a lot of people who've gone to work at uh, universities and they're smaller universities and they get there and they're the only person working on marketing. And so now they're writing content for the website, they're writing social ads and creating graphics and doing all these things. And that's a really fast way to burn yourself out. Yeah. So if they don't have the infrastructure, I would make sure that they understand that when you get there, you're bringing the infrastructure or that it will be soon, soon put in place. Um, but I really think that if you take a look at what you're looking to market and somehow can correlate it to a long purchase cycle, then you can really kind of help deans and people understand um, why your value is so substantial. That is fascinating. Adam, where can people go to learn more about you and connect with you if they're interested after this episode? Uh, yeah, they can go uh, visit my, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Adam Brown. There's a lot of us, but look for the Adam Brown that works at Adamant um, and you'll find me. So you can definitely connect there. Um, our website, adamant.com. Uh, they could also go there and yeah, I'd be happy to help anybody who's looking to break into that. Thanks for listening to another episode of the University Marketer Podcast. I'm having a ton of fun creating this, so I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or subscribing, those things really help this podcast get found or sharing it with someone else in your industry. That would be awesome. Till next time. Thanks.